Boker Tov, everyone. We are all aware that uh, there are uh, 70 different faces to the Torah, meaning that the Torah can be viewed in many, many different ways. The uh, idea of uh, spirituality and eternity is the fact that it is unlimited. And therefore the Torah has many different views. Something happened? It's not muted. So uh, we are accustomed to dealing with the Torah bit by bit, parsha by parsha. But there is another way of viewing it as being one continuous narrative. So that it has to, uh, so to speak fit into the narrative description and not just into individual parshas. And uh, Rashi often alludes to this when Rashi says, as he does in this week's parsha, Loma nismicha parsha zu la parsha zu. Why does this parsha follow the other parsha? Now, if you looked at the Torah uh, parsha by parsha, so then there's no room for that question. There's no reason to ask the question because parsha by parsha they're not connected. But because of the fact that we want to view it as a narrative, so then we have to find out what the smichas aparshas is. What's the relationship one to another? So let's look uh, at our parsha, but in the context of the whole chumash of Bamidbar. Uh, the narrative of Bamidbar begins in Balotcha. And it will end in Parsha's Masi. Now, there are various components. In Balotcho, we read already about the fact that Yitro left the Jewish people. He wouldn't go there to Israel. We read about the fact that they complained about the food. And then we read about the fact that they send spies. And then we read about the fact that there's a rebellion against Moshe. In this week's Parsha, we read that Miriam and Aaron pass away. Then we're going to have the Parsha of Balak. Bilam comes to curse the Jewish people. The Jewish people end up in a war with Midian 
Then we're going to have that the uh, Jewish people conquer uh, the property of, of uh, Sichon, of the Amori and Ognavachaboshon. And now the whole generation dies in the desert. And they're at the entrance point there to Israel. That's Chumash Bamidbar. Dvorim has very little narrative to it. So the narrative is here. So what, what, what's, what's going on? How do we look at this? So again, there's a tendency to look at each and every one of these events as a one-off. The event occurred, we study it, and then let's go to the next. But if we look at it as a narrative, uh, there's a whole story to be told here. And the story uh, basically put, the Mephorshim explained, is that the Jewish people have to be weaned from a miraculous supernatural existence and have to somehow stand on their own as an independent people, self-sufficient, in a natural world. Chazal will say in this week's parsha, when Miriam died, the Be'er, the well of water, the miraculous well disappeared. When Aaron died, the Anonai Kovod, the clouds that smoothed the road, uh, controlled the uh, weather, uh, made uh, everything so bearable, that disappeared. When Moshe dies, the moon disappears. So these are all miraculous events that will no longer take place. Never again. We never again have one that falls from heaven. Or we have Anoni Kovod that regulate our natural world. Or do we have a miraculous well? And the Torah says it, Ki Hashem Elokecho Meviyacho Aleretz Tova. The Rabbanu is bringing you to a good land. Eretz Nachalei Mayim. A land that has water, streams, rivers. Not only that, that has a rainy season that you'll be able to store water. And you want to eat, so then the Torah lists that it has olives and has pomegranates and has wheat and it has barley. That's the land that I'm bringing you to. The example, we see it in nature. I saw a documentary this week about bears. I like bears. It's my name. You know, I'm looking for. 
So uh, the mother nurses the bear for two years. Sometimes two years and two months, but not more than that. After that, the mother absolutely drives the cub out. There's a difference of opinion amongst the animal uh, experts whether the mother even recognizes her child uh, three years later, four years later, when the cub has grown to this enormous creature. She drives them out. Because that's the time you got to make it on your own. If you don't make it on your own, you're doomed. And uh, to a certain extent, that should be true for human beings, too. You can't always be dependent upon parents on others you have to be able to do it on your own so here you have the Jewish people I'm Yotzomimitzrayim a nation that went out from Egypt so when they went out from Egypt they're like babies after hundreds of years of slavery after the fact that uh, they had uh, one thing about slavery is that it induces no sense of responsibility in the slave. The Gemara says, "Avdo behefkeira nechale." A slave is very happy that uh, no one demands anything from him. There's no nothing that is essential for the slave to do. So that's the state of the Jewish people. And uh, the Rabboni Shalom sets up for us immediately a target goal, which is the Torah that was given to us at Sinai. This is what you're supposed to live up to. This is your mission. Now, in order for you to accomplish this mission, uh, I haven't understands that you need help. So I'm going to give you 40 years of miracles. I'm going to, you're not going to have to earn a living. You're not going to have to plant or harvest. You're not going to have... Uh, the necessity of a normal state of it. All of this is not going to happen for you. I'm going to take care of it for you. So uh, Miriam will provide you with water, and Aaron will provide you with clouds of glory and an environment, and Moshe will provide you with food, and that'll get you started. But after the 40 years are over, all of this is going away. It's not going to be again. You're going to have to do it on your own.
So instead of it occurring on its own suddenly, there's a gradual weaning that goes on here. (coughs) So one of the things that one has to learn in life is how to absorb and deal with punishments and disappointments. You have to learn it's not a perfect world. And no matter what you do, there's going to be problems. So the Chumash Bamidbor gives us the problems. You thought that Yitro was going to go with you. For Yisolonu Leinoi. You're going to be our advisor. You're going to be our eyes. You're going to be everything that we want. Not only that, if you go with us, that means the world approves of us. Because we can say, look, we have Yitro with us. So there's uh, approval from outside of the Jewish people. So perhaps you think that that is uh, going to be the normal state of being. You should know that that also is miraculous. Soloveitchik has a famous uh, lecture that he gave uh, on the 10th anniversary of the State of Israel. And uh, he pointed out, he said, the United Nations was created for one purpose and one purpose only, to give the Jewish state some legitimacy. He says, after that, it's useless. It's pretty much true. To grant us legitimacy. So, we want legitimacy. But now we're pretty much accustomed, you know, who cares what the United Nations says? There are, uh, I think, six, seven hundred resolutions against the state of Israel. Mabakach, so what? So that's part of becoming an independent nation. Uh, not to be dependent upon the opinion of others. So therefore, Yisroh departs, you have to learn to live with that disappointment. You can't say, oh, hey, Yisroh's not with us anymore, and if he's not with us anymore, the nations of the world won't like us. It's not the end of the world, so to speak, that Yisrael won't go with us. And you have to have uh, disappointments. And that's the story of uh, the Miraglim, the spies. What a disappointment. Israel is the best and the Jews aren't involved. I think this died again. Maybe you're not, I don't know.
I told you, you have to live with disappointments. <laughs> okay. Thank you. And so, so um, Moshe, you, people that you expect great and good things from sometimes disappoint you. They don't come through. The Miraglim Kulam Roshe Bnei Yisrael Moshe picked the 12 best people he could. And that they should come and say, no, can't do it. So you have to learn to live with naysayers. Which always will exist. There's no project in the world that did not or does not have naysayers. Can't be done. Shouldn't be done. The Punavizharov told me that uh, he uh, had the cornerstone laying for his yeshiva building in Bnei Brak in 1943 when the German Africa Corps was at El Alamein, 60 miles from Israel. And there was a great uh, trepidation that the British Army would not be able to hold it back. And he... uh, made this uh, cornerstone laying ceremony. So someone said to him, he told me, someone said, he said to him, Ramu is going to be here in 10 days. Are you crazy? And he answered, he said, well, uh, the Jewish people need the yeshiva only, if only for 10 days. But that there always are naysayers. There always are people that say no. So part of the maturity of a people is to be able to deal with the naysayers. That's what Kolev and Yoshua said. Although now, no, we can do it. What do you, don't say no. It's interesting that in the story of the Miraglim, there is no dispute regarding the facts in Eretz Israel. Everyone agrees that the fruit is outlandish. Everyone agrees there are giants in the land. Everyone agrees that there are enormous fortress cities. No one disputed that. The dispute is regarding the capability of the Jewish people. The ten spies say, Kilo nucha, we can't do it. It's too great a task. And Kola even Yoshua said, No, we can do it. Although he's not the Arashna. 
So it's always a dispute as to not what the facts are, but as to what our capabilities are. Are we able to do it? Do we think that we can do it? So a nation of slaves, so they certainly are not going to do it. But a nation of free people that has a mission, so then uh, what becomes impossible becomes uh, achievable. So that's part of the process. That's the process that we read here in the Chumash Bamidbar. How we come from being a nation of slaves that can't do anything on its own, that has to nurse at its mother for two years. It's completely helpless to become a great and mighty people able to stand on its own. So when we read in the Medrash this week that when Miriam died, the well stopped. And when Aaron died, the cloud stopped. And then later when Moshe passes away, the moon stops. So the tendency, especially when we were children and learned this, is to say, you know, Ive. It's a punishment. But the Torah in the narrative doesn't see it as a punishment. It's part of the maturation of the Jewish people. You can't live on miracles alone. You have to do it for yourself. You want food? Then you have to plow and plant and harvest. You want water, you have to dig. Before Shemal explained this, we see that uh, Avram Avinu dug wells. Yitzchak Avinu dug wells. Yaakov Avinu. So they all ask, you know, if in the schus of Miriam there was a miraculous well of water, so uh, Avram and Sora and Yitzchok and Rivka and Yaakov and Rochel and Leah are certainly the equal of Miriam. So why did they have to dig wells? Shouldn't they have, uh, you know, water? Avram Avinu wants to feed the Malochim. He doesn't know they're Malochim. He thinks they're Arab Bedouins. So he tells uh, Yishmael, you have to get an animal and we'll shecht it and we'll cook the meat and we'll have it and we'll make, take butter and take bread. and uh, Let him have a melon. We don't find that by the office. So it's not that the office were not capable of miracles. But the Ovas represent what's going to be for the Jewish people. The Maise Ovas Simon Labonim. And the Maase Ovas Simon Labonim. You have to be able to, you know, to shech the animal, to dig the well, 
to sit in the tent, you have to protect yourself from the elements. You're going to live in a natural world. And the Torah will point out to us that nations will come and make war upon you. We always think that war is exceptional. But the truth of the matter is that over the long history of the world, wars are the norm. Peace at time is exceptional. Europe just went through uh, a period of time of peace from the end of the first, the Second World War until the Balkan Wars of the 1990s. And then from the Balkan Wars, another 30 years of peace, and now you have Ukraine and Russia. That's the norm. The bitter norm, but that's the way it is. And what shall we say about us here in Israel? In the 70-some years, look at all the wars we've had. So the Torah describes for us, that's part of growing up. You're going to have to have an army, you're going to have to fight, you're going to, you know, people will come after you. That's part of growing up. So uh, when I was in the yeshiva, uh, thirteen, fourteen years old, there were a few bullies in the class. They were holy bullies, but they were bullies. So I remember one of the guys that was being bullied complained to the rebbe. So the rebbe said, "Punch him in the face." We were shocked by that answer. But that was the right answer. And that was the, how the problem was cured. So, Bonisham could have brought us up into Eretz soil without going to war with Sichon, without oh. But then you wouldn't have grown up. It wouldn't have been a maturation. It wouldn't have been a reality as to what the world really is. And then we're going to have the story of Bilam. Bilam is academia. Bilam is Harvard and Yale and the Hebrew University and the Sorbonne and Oxford. That's Bilam. And because of that, he has impressive credentials. And therefore we think he means something. That in the long run, uh, Bilam has influence. Now, part of being a Jew is that you have to be able to say that uh, 
99.9% of uh, what the world believes is false. That takes a great deal of self-assurance. Corona has taught us, right? Follow the experts. Follow the science. It all turned out to be nothing. But that's our tendency. So our tendency is that Bilaam is influential. Bilaam has meaning. But if you want to be an independent Jewish people, and if you want to live in the land of Israel, and if you want to have your culture and your society, you have to be able to deal with Bilaam. And that the curses of Bilaam are really blessings. And that we should not, so to speak, be shaken by what Bilaam says. That's the world that we live in. So that this narrative of the Chumash Bamidbar follows us through our own society. It's part of our own maturation. We have our disappointments and our wars, our critics, our failings. But there's no more moon and there's no more water, there are no more clouds. The Rabbanishalam expects us to do it for ourselves. That's a very, very powerful message. And especially in our time, we're coming out of 18, 1900 years of exile, of persecution, of being powerless. So you have to adjust. And it's not something that happens in an instant. So that's part of the narrative of the Chumash Bamidbar. So that's really the narrative of ourselves and our time as well. And that's, I think, a great lesson for us as to how consider how we consider events and all sorts of circumstances that currently exist in our world. So I want to wish you a Shabbat Shalom. Stay well. We'll see each other next week, I believe.